This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The money pit is presented by Wagner Sprayers, the Angie app. LL Flooring, Craig Tool Company, and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we hope you guys are surviving these dog days of August. It's been very, very hot and humid and muggy in our part of the woods, but I'd rather have that than the below freezing temperatures, and I know are just a few months away. <laughs> so, I love the winter. Yeah, I know, right? Don't even want to think about that. Hey, <laughs> but if you guys are tackling some projects during these warmer days, or maybe you're dreaming of some projects you want to take on when it lightens up a little bit, maybe gets a little more refreshing to work outside in the fall, whatever's on your to-do list, whether it's a repair, an improvement, a decorating challenge, a decorating dilemma, you know, if something broke down, you don't know which way to go, this is the kind of thing that we can help you with. We've been at this for 20 years. We've got experience in everything you can imagine when it comes to houses. I spent 20 years as a professional home inspector. Leslie grew up with a pencil in her hand. She's been decorating ever since, right? And you grew up with a dad that was a famous architect and a decorator and uh, you know taught you from, from the first time you had a crayon in your hand <laughs> what colors go together, right? Or maybe you had a You know, I wasn't own. allowed to move furniture without a floor plan. So <laughs> There you go, right? So that's what kind of experience that we have to help you. We'll be happy to take your calls, your questions. You can reach out to us at 888-MONEYPIT. Leave a message. We'll call you back the next time we're in the studio or post your questions to moneypit.com. We hope to get to as many of you today as we can. Hey, coming up on today's show, when you look outside your house, does the garage door rank as the most boring surface you see? I mean, it often does if it's an older door, but today there are many styles and colors and new looks for garage doors to choose from, and replacing that door can be a simple and affordable project. So we're going to walk you through what's out there and how to get the job done just ahead. And as the saying goes, good fences make great neighbors. But as simple as it seems, adding a fence is something many DIYers get wrong. We're going to walk you through the project so you can get it right the first time. And if you've been dealing with expensive cooling bills and stuffy rooms or a dusty house, the problem may be your duct system. We're going to walk you through how to check your ducts for leaks and fix them fast in today's smart spending tip. But first, we want to know what you are working on. How can we help you create your best home ever? Whether you're doing or dreaming, home improvement really is a fantastic adventure, and we can help you get to the other side. So reach out to us right now, again, by calling one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974, or posting your questions to moneypit.com. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? 
Tracy in Texas is on the line and needs some help with a universal design project. Tell us what you're working on. I have a daughter who's 21 years old, and we need some help when it comes to bathing her. We're looking at doing a bathroom addition onto her room, but we don't even know really how to get started. Do we need to consult with an architect on the design advice? Uh, She's homebound, medically fragile, 100% disabled, and we just are looking at Uh, some advice on how to even get started to meet her needs so that we only have to do this one time. Is a tub situation easier for you or is a shower? Uh, Probably a shower. Okay, because there are the tubs with the doors that open. It depends on how difficult it would be to sort of move her from chair to seated tub position. You know, it just depends on how comfortable you are with the bathing situation if you want to get in there and get wet. But Tom and I have actually done a lot of work with Universal Design and are quite familiar with some of the processes. Well, that's right. And I do think it's a good idea to use a certified kitchen and bath designer. And that's somebody who's going to be specializing in Universal Design. You're going to ask specifically for someone that has that that talent because they're going to be up to speed on the best products that are out there for your particular situation and be able to recommend appropriately. Uh, and you're going to get a bathroom that actually looks nice and functions well for you. I would not, would not call a standard remodeling contractor because the remodeling contractor will say, yeah, I understand. I'm, I know what to do. And you know what? They just don't because it's very specialized. In fact, some years ago, Leslie, didn't the AARP have a special certification program for uh, contractors and architects? Uh, that, that were working with universal design situations? They did. It was through um, the Home Builders Association, and they had a special course that you could take to become certified as you know, a universal design specialist. So you might want to start with the AARP's website just to find some recommendations of folks in your area who are certified. I believe it was called the CAPS. Um, certified aging in place specialist program. And, um, you know, e- even though that's not necessarily your need, it has similar associations. Um, so you might want to start there as far as just trying to find somebody who can help you find the right products because you want something that looks good. You don't want it to feel like a hospital. You want it to function and you want it to be done right the first time. They have a lot of resources for Universal Design, probably the best collection anywhere online is on the AARP website. You simply click on the Home and Family section and then Home Improvement, and uh, you'll find a lot there. They also have a section on livable communities because the you know universal design just makes sense for folks of any age, whether you are a senior citizen, whether you are disabled, or whether you're just a mom that comes home with her arms full of like grocery bags and needs to pop open a door with her elbow because she can't really turn a doorknob. You know, there's tips like that that really make it so much easier for you to live comfortably in your house, regardless of age or physical condition. So I would start there as well. But make sure you work with people that are experienced in universal design. There are lots and lots of people out there. You just got to find them, okay? Great. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Tyler in South Dakota is on the line who's got some unwanted visitors in the yard. Moles, have you bitten it more than once in the yard due to their little hole digging? <laughs> yes, it's actually it's actually been quite the adventure, you know, having uh, having those little friendly guys in your yard. And they're so adorable, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They are. They they're wonderful. So, we have uh we've been having this problem with Moles and uh, I think this, I think what this animal is called is called a vole, V O L E. Vole, yeah, very similar to a mole. It's like a mole slash hamster. The reason they're there, Tyler, is they're looking for food, and specifically they're looking for grubs. Oh, that was I was going to ask you about that because my backyard has been hit by these dry patches, which. I just found that I think are grubs. Yeah, it all is making sense now, right? Because the grubs are in your lawn. They're killing your lawn. The moles are probably saving part of your grass because they're eating the grubs. But what you need to do is get some grub control at GrubX on that lawn, and that will get rid of the grubs. And once the grubs are gone and there's no food left, the moles will move on naturally to your neighbor's and uh, try to find uh, where all the grubs are living. Every six weeks, every six months, how often do I put down this? Just follow label directions. Some of these products you can put down once a season. Sounds great. That's very helpful. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Tyler. Good luck with that project. Thanks again for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Janet in Georgia on the line who wants help with a decking project. What's going on at your Money Pit? I just had a deck built last month, and... um, Already some of the boards are kind of shrinking because it's been raining on and off a little bit. Right. And I was I was wondering when it would be the best time to stain the wood. Is it that I'm staining it against the water or I'm just staining it in general? Okay. Do you know what material your deck was made out of? Uh, we bought the wood at Home Depot. It was supposed to be a pre-treated wood. So just a pressure-treated lumber. Pressure-treated. That's correct. Okay. So really what I always do with the pressure-treated lumber, just because of the fact that, you know, they inject a different type of chemical into the wood itself to make it weather-resistant, so it can be a little wet. And since you're dealing with a high-moisture situation in your weather anyway... You might just want to give it the summer season to sort of dry out as best it can. And then in the autumn, when you're dealing with some drier, low humidity weather, it could be a great time to put a finish on it. Now, you do want to let it dry out. So if you're dealing with some wet weather as you're getting into a weekend that you want to work on the project, wait until you've had a good few days of dryness and you know it's going to be dry the day you're working so that that wood does get a chance to dry out. And then depending on how it looks and the look that you want, I definitely wouldn't paint it because paint is just going to sit right on top of that lumber and then just peel off throughout the winter season and, you know, you'll have to do something again in the spring. Right. I really didn't want painting because I I just like the look of the wood and I know that there's something that I have to do every 
so often. They tell me every year I'd have to stain it or something. It really depends on what manufacturer's stain that you buy. And keep in mind, there's solid color stains and there's semi-transparent stains. So if you want to see the grain in the wood, you'll want to go with something more semi-transparent so that you'll actually get some color or just some natural tone and you'll be able to see that grain through it. And you want to apply it just in the way that the manufacturer says. And you're probably going to get about three years on horizontal surfaces, maybe five on vertical before you've got to tackle it again. Depends on how dry that lumber is on that decking when you do, you know, put the stain on. Okay, that sounds good. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you guys love pets like we do, we've got a fun new contest that's live now on MoneyPit.com. It's called the Post a Picture of Your Pet Photo Contest, and it is Paul Scented. Get it? Paw scented <laughs> by LL Flooring. <laughs> now, to enter, guys, all you need to do is post a picture of your pet with a short description and then share your entry and invite your friends to vote. The top three vote getters are going to receive a $1,000 gift card from LL Flooring as well as a $50 gift card from Chewy. Something for you, something for your pet. I love it. Now, you can choose from oh, any of LL. <laughs> it really does. Now, you can choose from any of LL Flooring's beautiful styles, including scratch-resistant floors, as well as water-resistant laminate, waterproof tile, or waterproof vinyl. Enter today at moneypit.com slash contest. That's the post a picture of your pet photo contest at moneypit.com slash contest. Heading north to Ian in Vancouver. Well, I guess north and west. Now, Ian's working on a flooring project and having some difficulty in the corner. Tell us about it. I'm putting down a hardwood floor in my son's bedroom. And as I get close to the wall with the flooring stapler, I can't drive the staples into the planks and into the plywood below. And so I'm wondering if I should take a finishing nailer and finish those planks as I get closer to the wall or if there's another solution to that problem. Hey, Mike, that's a great question. And I've certainly worked a lot with floors over the years. And I understand what you're saying because the hardwood floor nailer, the nailer is designed to, to work with tongue and groove. You need some space between that uh, behind that so that you can drive the plank in. And when you get close to the wall, of course, you don't have that space. So here's the trick of the trade. You drop the the pieces of wood in as you get closer to the wall, but because you can't get to the tongue part of it to nail it in, you are going to use a finish nail. Now, the key to using a finish nail, though, is you can't just drive it in the board because one of two things will happen. Either the finish nail will bend or the board will crack. So what you want to do is essentially drill a hole, a pilot hole for the finish nail, but I'm going to give you a really creative way to do that that I've done for years and years and years, and it works great, and that is to take that finish nail and stick the nail in your drill so that the nail itself becomes the drill bit. And in doing so, what it does is it sort of separates the fibers of the wood, but it doesn't really cut them. So it allows the nail to pass through it, but it doesn't really put a lot of slack around the nail. Now, you can do this with a finish nail as the drill bit itself, or if you're doing a lot of it, you can invest in a really handy tool. I think it's made by Vermont American, and it's called a nail spinner, and it's designed for just that. You put this in a drill, and it's kind of like a chuck that's designed to hold a finish nail. You stick the finish nail on the end of the nail spinner, the nail spinner's in the drill, and then you spin it into the hardwood, pull the drill and the nail spinner off, and then finish it off by hammering it right through and down. So a finish nail is definitely the way to go. And make sure that you uh, fill those holes and blend it in nicely. And I might even put a little bit of glue under those boards. This way you can use fewer nails when you're trying to tie them down. 
Well, from the top of the roof down to the grass on the lawn, the curb appeal of a home is determined by lots of things, including your garage door. But according to the 2021 Cost versus Value Study by Remodeling Magazine, a garage door replacement has the highest cost recoup value of any home improvement project. The highest. It's amazing. Now, a new door can return 93.8% of the project's cost when it comes time to sell, which is why now is a better time than ever to update that garage door. And if that's a project that you'd like to tackle, here are three tips to help from the expert at Haas Door. Now, first, you want to take a step back and look at the home overall. Think about the style of the home's exterior, the colors on the house, and the textures. Then determine what kind of a garage door would look best, smooth or wood grain, and what color or texture would best complement the home's overall exterior. Yeah, next, you've got to decide if a solid garage door or one with windows that allow light into the garage will work best for your home. If you're choosing windows, you've got to look at the style of window on the front of the home, including the grids, and along with the windows that you've got in the front door. Then you want to look for a garage door that has a very similar window style. And be sure you select a garage door that can handle weather conditions for your region. So, for example, if your home is in an area that is prone to hurricanes or high winds, you'll need to choose a door that's built to meet the Miami-Dade building code, which is pretty much well known as the strongest building code for hurricane resistance. If you'd like more tips, you can read our post, How to Pick the Perfect Garage Door, which is online now at moneypit.com. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue, AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners. 
and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pat and I was on the line with a question about painting. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, I uh, would like to paint my aluminum siding on my home. I can't afford to side it right now. And I was wondering if it's possible to paint aluminum siding. Absolutely. There's no reason you can't paint aluminum siding. What you want to do is clean the house really well, power wash it perhaps, and then you're going to have to prime that siding. That's really important. Otherwise, nothing is going to stick. Exactly. So you need to do a primer coat. Okay. Well, what what kind of primer? Well, you're going to use a primer that's designed to work with the paint that you select. So, for example, if you're going to work with the Benjamin Moore family of paints, you're going to use a Benjamin Moore primer. Okay. And the primer is the glue. It's the adhesive coat. That's what makes the paint stick. And then you put the top coat on top of that. Now, will this peel on the south side where the sun hits? No, not if you do a good job on the prep. You know, that's why we're telling you to prime it. It's you because And because the siding is metal, that paint job should last you a good 8 to 10 years. It lasts less if it's an organic material like wood siding, but with metal siding, it can last a long time if it's done well. Oh. Oh, good. That's a good thing to know. Okay. I wasn't sure I could even do it. I thought maybe it would just peel right off. Now, the power wash, is that just, um, I'd have to hire somebody to probably do that. Yeah. I mean, unless you unless you happen to have your own pressure washer, yeah, you'd have to hire somebody to do that. And they'll use a detergent and clean off any dirt and debris and algae and so on that's on the, on the metal. And you let it dry really, really well. Then you prime, then you paint. I mean, it's a big project, Pat. You know, if if you're not comfortable with, uh, you know, 10-foot, 20-foot ladders, depending on how high your house is, you might want to hire a painter to do this. No, I'd probably hire someone else to do it, but do you think it'd be real expensive, or would I be better off to find a good vinyl siding man to put? Well, I think that you don't have to side the house. You don't have to put siding. You can paint this house and paint it successfully, and I think it will be less expensive than, than siding. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, whether it's a matter of keeping your kids in or keeping the noises out or just getting some privacy, a good fence can really do all of those things for you, and it also acts as sort of a stylish frame for your yard. But building a fence is more than a matter of just putting in some posts and, you know, putting up some fencing. There's really a lot to consider. You know, you've got to think about the design, the building regulations, all of that before you start. So, Tom, first of all, what should we be thinking about when we're planning a project of a fence? Yeah, so there's a few things to put into the initial plan. First of all, think about what your purpose is here because it's going to determine the types of fence and the landscaping you do around it. So if it's noise reduction, that's one thing. If you're trying to keep pets in, if this is just sort of an aesthetic statement, different designs are going to give you better results for some of these specific needs. So if it's noise reduction, for example, you're going to want some dense landscaping that like alternates with like one row close to the fence and one row sort of away from the fence. So it has an opportunity to break up the sound waves. You know, if it's pets, that's another thing. If it's aesthetics, 
you know, and you want to see the beautiful green lawn beyond the fence, you're going to use something that's maybe like a black metal fence. So you have to think about those purposes first. Now, when it comes to your neighbors and local regulations, this is where you definitely don't want to get it wrong. You need to figure out whether the fence meets zoning requirements and if any permits are required, because in many towns, you're going to have a height limitation. You may have some gate requirements and so on. If you're in doubt, you need to talk to the planning or construction department of your municipality and find out what's up. Next, let your neighbors in on the plan. You know, people take things in different ways. They get weird sometimes. But if you just say, hey, so let you know I'm putting a fence up and, uh, you know, the good side's going to face your property because that's a requirement, by the way. You got to have the good side out. And, of course, you need to be really sure where that property line is. You do not want to mess that up because if you do, you might be uh, giving the neighbor a fence um, instead of uh, one on your side. So make sure that you're following that property line and you know exactly where that is. And if you let them know in advance that this is going to happen, then it doesn't, you know, bode any resentment um, from neighbor to neighbor, which is just something you can easily avoid if you just kind of bring them in on the communication. So, Tom, you were mentioning, you know, different types of materials, different styles of fencing, how do you know what the right type of fence material is for your home? You know, you want to make sure it's going to wear well and withstand the elements. So how do you choose? Yeah, well, I mean, you got like, for example, wood or vinyl or, or, or chain link. If you don't want any maintenance at all, you would probably go with vinyl. But even saying that, I know that vinyl tends to grow algae and moss a little bit more quickly in some cases than wood. So no matter what you do, you're going to have some level of maintenance. But in my home, I've always gone with wood fences because I just like the traditional wood fence. But before I put fencing up, I first of all, I treat it with a preservative, especially if it's not a pressure-treated material. And then I stain it, and I always stain it with solid color because I know that the more pigment in the stain, the longer it's going to last. And finally, and this is a really important tip, and it's one that you have to almost instruct fence installers to do if you're not doing this yourself, and that is to make sure you keep adequate space below the fence because the quickest way to wear out your fence is to have it sink into contact with grade. If it sinks into the lawn or if it sinks to the point where the grass is always sort of over top of it or the weeds are on top of it or they're growing up over it so it's always staying wet, it's going to rot. So I set my fences so they're at least six inches off grade, maybe even a little bit more. You know, in my case, I wasn't trying to keep a small dog inside the yard or anything like that. But this way, I know that air is getting under there and it's drying it out. And frankly, I've had fencing last 15 years. That was like spruce, you know, which should have rotted like in five, but last three times that much because I didn't let it get too wet and I made sure I treated it properly when I first installed it. All of those are good tips. So when you're thinking about a fence project, keep all of that in mind. And remember, keep those neighbors happy as well. Robert in Michigan needs some help with a composite deck. How can we help you? I was just wondering, have, have the composite materials for the deck, have they come up with anything yet that is good for not fading? I've run into some problems with the materials I have available to me here in northern Michigan. I don't know if it's the weather, the sunshine, or what, but the composite materials seem to fade real bad up here. That's interesting. You know, I, I've not seen that, and I've used composite decking for many, many years. There is a company out called Clear, K-L-E-E-R. It's got a product called Clear Decking. Uh, they're one of the new sponsors of our show, and I had a chance to look at their product up close at the Remodeler Show just a few months ago, and I was pretty impressed by it. And the Clear Decking is made of PVC, and so the color is solid through this. It comes in seven different colors. And I don't think you'd see any fade with that, and they've got a lifetime warranty, so I doubt they'd put that on there if there's any fade issues. 
Okay. I think that the newer products are probably pretty good and going to protect you against fade. Take a look at their website. It's cleardecking.com. It's a good place to start, K-L-E-E-R, decking.com. Okay, I'll do that. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy in Florida is on the line with a countertop situation. What happened? You scraped it? You cut it? What'd you do? Uh, The previous owners had painted it. And I took a razor blade and went up under it, and I was able to get all of that paint off. But evidently, they sanded the tops, and I would like to bring some light back into the top. So wait, is it wood? Is it butcher block? Is it laminate? It's, it's laminate, yes. And it's in good shape. It's just that it's dull. It's got the marble look. I mean, you've got a couple of options. You could paint it again. There are several different companies that make a laminate painting kit. Rust-Oleum has... A couple of different products, Modern Masters, and um, oh, Tom, there was that one we saw in Vegas. The, the it's named after the guy's daughter. It's got two marbling kits in it. Yeah, I have seen that, and I prefer not to do that. I read an article somewhere, and I cannot find the article that said that you could use car wax, paste wax, sure. and buffet. Would that look? I mean, the countertop looks fine. It just needs a gloss. You know, I don't want a real high gloss. Just I just wanted to look better. Well, there's no reason you couldn't use the car wax. It's not uh-huh. all that, except that I wouldn't want my food to be in contact with it. But other than that, I think it's probably okay. That's a good idea, surely. Well, I thank you for your time, You're your very suggestions. Welcome. I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, have you been paying high utility bills, maybe for your AC this summer? Do you feel like your rooms are a bit stuffy? Is there a lot of dust around the house? According to the EPA's Energy Star program, it could very well be your duct system. We've got some DIY tips to help you seal off those energy leaks and improve your comfort in today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Cash Rewards Customized Credit Card. Yeah, you know, first of all, it's important to understand the basics. Now, in houses with forced air heating and cooling systems, the ducts are used to distribute conditioned air throughout the house. And a duct system that is properly sealed and insulated can make your home more comfortable and more energy efficient. However, in a typical home, about 20 to 30 percent of the air that moves through the duct system is lost due to leaks, holes, even poorly installed ductwork. Now, the result is that your utility bill is going to be higher and get higher and higher, and then it's hard to keep the house comfortable no matter what you set the thermostat at. But how do you know if your ducts actually leak and what does it exactly take to fix them? Well, here's a DIY approach to finding and sealing duct problems in your house. You want to start by inspecting the ducts that you can see. So ducts in the basement, in the attic, in the garage. Ask yourself a few questions. First, are there any obvious holes or gaps or disconnections in the ducts? If there is duct tape, the old-fashioned gray tape, is it dried out and loose and kind of cracking and crumbly? Are the connections where the ducts connect to vents and registers, are they all well sealed where they meet the floor and the wall and the ceiling? If you have flex ducts, those are the kind that are usually foil-faced and insulated. Uh, You want to make sure that there's no places where there's hard 
turns with those. They have to have gentle curves. They can't have like 90-degree curves. And they're not ripped. They're not torn. They're not squashed. Often they'll get stepped on if you have storage up in the attic or you've had tradesmen up there. They can get completely disconnected. I've found in the years I spent as a professional home inspector, uh, an entire piece of duct system disconnected. In fact, you know, for those that work in like attic spaces, I know that one of the tricks of the trade is to actually take a supply duct and disconnect it from one of the systems so that you can cool off the attic while you work and maybe they forgot to put it back. Now, if you find any leaks or holes, you need to seal those, but you need to seal them with something called mastic, which is a special type of putty sealant that's designed for ducts, or you could use tape, but not the old gray duct tape that you're so familiar with for every other kind of repair. That is not actually designed for ducts, believe it or not, and what will happen is it will dry out and fall off. There's a type of tape that is metal-backed and has a foil face. Its technical name is UL-181 tape, and that's what you need to seal in your ducts. Use that to wrap any of those loose connections, especially where the ducts go through unconditioned spaces. So again, attics, basements, crawl spaces, garages. Make sure those ducts are sealed and wrapped with duct insulation, and that will keep them from getting hot in the summer or cold in the winter. Well, that's pretty straightforward. You know, it really is an easy DIY project that will bring you year-round comfort and energy efficiency. And that's today's Smart Spending Tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. All right, now we've got Ed in Tennessee on the line who has a question about a crawl space. How can we help you today? I'm thinking about uh, putting my dogs in uh, my crawl space. I've got a large crawl space, and I was wanting to, uh, and they're big dogs, and I was going to take and build beds out of treated lumber and put like shavings in them, cedar shavings, and uh, just wondering if there's something I haven't thought about doing that, if there's a downside to it. Well, are they house trained? Are they going to treat the uh, crawl space like the backyard, so to speak? Uh, they're house trained. As long as they're going to keep it clean down there, my friend, I don't see any reason uh, why you might not want to do that. It certainly will be uh, cool and comfortable for them in that space in the summer. That's what I was thinking, so. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty much like leaving them outside, except they've got a little shade. But as long right. as they're not going to, uh, you know, cause any problems in there and use it as a bathroom, then I wouldn't worry about it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know, Leslie, we were talking earlier about return on investment when you make an improvement to your house. And the front door, fixing that thing up, actually also is a great ROI because it changes the whole look of your house and really makes people pay attention. And I know that that's a project you just did. How did it go? It's a great project. It's funny. We have this big, solid mahogany door that I wanted to keep wood and make it look beautiful. But the staining was, quite frankly, a pain in the butt. And it was really looking worse for the wear because we just get hit with the sun all day on the front door. And so I said, I'm going to paint it this time and I'm going to paint it black. And because I don't have, you know, a screen door or anything, I painted it on the hinges and, you know, I had to make sure it stayed open so the sun wasn't beating on it and the dog didn't get out. I mean, it was a project and a half. And it's funny, as the door started to close, the paint would bubble up a little bit. So it was really a battle of like making sure the sun didn't destroy it. And at the end, I closed the door when it was finally dry at the end of the day. And there were like two lines that were still the primer because the way the sun was making a shadow on the witch. Oh, no. (laughs) I couldn't see that I missed those two spots. But boy, what 
a difference. And the house looks amazing with the black door. And it's such a simple little change. And that's I a great project. Couldn't believe I didn't do it sooner. Did you take it off the hinges to do it or did you do it in place? I did it in place only because I know it's, a really heavy door. it's crazy yeah. heavy. I don't have a screen door. I don't yeah. like, I had no means of right. doing it on my own. So I was like, right. I'm just keeping it right. on. If you're going to do that project yourself and you don't have a really heavy door and you can take it off, it's a lot easier to do it when it's like flat on a couple of sawhorses. And then you can take it out of the sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really. Maybe really. wait for a cloudy day. All right. Maria has got a weird situation going on with her bathroom toilet. She says that when we flush one toilet, it sucks water from another. Why is it happening? And is it a serious problem? Well, it's not a serious problem, but I can definitely tell you why it's happening. And it's ventilation. Are they vented together? Not the bath van ventilation, but no, the, the plumbing ventilation. You know, those big pipes that come up through your roof that let air into your plumbing system. So when the water drops, air gets pulled in from one of those pipes to kind of replace it. Now, if they get clogged, the vent gets clogged between the toilet and the exit point. That's when you get that gurgling sound or these weird things where it's going to pull from another place because it has to get some air in the pipe to resolve that pressure situation. And so somewhere your ventilation system is either disconnected, it's not uh, installed right, it's being blocked one way or the other, it could have something in it, but the vent is the issue, and you're going to have to get a plumber to address that and figure out why the vent is doing that. But it's not a serious problem. It could lead to more toilet clogs, but yeah, you really got to get it resolved. All right. Now, Jack wrote in saying that his shed roof is under attack from a black walnut tree. He says every year the walnuts fall from the tree and there's so many and so heavy that they create holes as big as walnuts in the roof. So what is what can he do to help this? Is there a better roofing material? It's a vinyl shed roof, by the way. Yeah, I, there is a better roof. I mean, in this case, Jack, I would simply use some roll roofing, very inexpensive, and it's got uh, a granular surface to it. You could definitely take those walnuts that are falling. It seems to me like your roof is a bit soft. And if it gets torn a little bit by those walnuts that are falling, those holes are going to open up and lead to rot. So I would just put some three-foot roll roofing right on top of that. You overlap it every 18 inches. It doesn't look great, but it's going to protect it. And I think that's what's most important here. All right. It sounds like a plan. And I love walnuts. Send them to New York. I'll eat them all up. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. You can download our podcast at moneypit.com slash podcast. We hope that we've giving you some great tips and ideas and advice on today's show. We hope that you're staying cool and comfortable in these dog days of summer. If you've got a project that you are thinking about doing, you don't know where to start, reach out to us 24-7 with those questions at 888-MONEYPIT or post them to moneypit.com because we love to help. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pit.